Hi, this is Robin Black with Robin Thinks, Deconstructing Books That Wrecked Us. And I'm going to be continuing on with uh, Love and Respect this week. I'm going to be wrapping up Love and Respect, actually. Um, I didn't do a podcast last week, and I want to talk about why that is. And then I also want to talk about um, what's coming up, where I'm going, um, some kind of the future of Robin Thinks, so to speak. Um, When I first started Robin Thinks... And uh, here's why I started Robin Thinks and why it's called Robin Thinks. Um, I'm very smart. (laughs) And I've spent my whole life, uh, like many girls and women, being told both kind of out loud and in a million subtle ways that, you know, boys don't like smart girls. And... I have actually experienced that many times in my life, um, for most of my life, actually. Men like to believe that they like smart, strong women, but the reality is they like women that are better than other men. They don't like women that are better than them. And so... There are so many women that have had to learn this the hard way. And what ends up happening is because we don't want to be hurt and because men can be really kind of vicious and cruel, we end up holding ourselves back. We end up um, purposely being less than we're capable of being because we don't want to experience the pain that comes from Um, being dismissed or diminished in some way by men. And so Robin thinks is sort of my rebellion, so to speak. It's my way of saying I am smart and I am done like trying to play stupid or trying to hold myself back or pretend that I'm not as smart as I am because it's caused me a lot of pain. And so that's where the name Robin thinks came from. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to build a platform for female leaders. But I realize there's a lot of platforms already out there for female leaders. But here's what I see and here's what's different um, or what I want to be different, what I hope to be different, okay? I have read so many leadership books in my life and by far the vast majority of them are written by men. There's more books that are written by women now, but here's the problem. Most of the books that are written by women about leadership are women that have had to learn how to survive as a woman in a man's world, okay? Here's where I want to make a difference or be different or forge a new trail, okay? And that is... I don't know about other women. I'm tired of living in a man's world. And I think that there's even a lot of men that are really tired of living in this overwhelmingly, I don't even want to call it masculine dominant. I think that our ideas of masculinity have become so skewed that men basically have to sort of be these automatons. And that really kind of ties into love and respect is is when when you actually, I think it was Donald Miller that I heard this concept from, which is playing the tape to the end, okay? 
So when you play the tape to the end, when you look at these dynamics that are that are endorsed in love and respect, and you look at, okay, if we follow these dynamics and we follow his advice and, and we, we look ahead, you know, a year, two years, three years down the road, what does our relationship look like? There are very few instances in which that is going to be a good relationship. And I'm going to talk more about that um, the, the dynamics at play here and the power dynamics, there are a few people, and I mean a very few, there are a few couples that this book can or would actually help. Okay. But, but the couples that it can help, the couples that it would actually help are probably already like very healthy. They have some very healthy patterns going on. So if a couple just sort of takes like a couple little um, snippets from this book and kind of is able to tweak their relationship that's already pretty healthy a little bit, uh, there's a possibility that, yes, this book could potentially help a few couples. That being said, the potential for harm in this book is enormous. And I'm a single woman. I'm not even married and I can promise you that I have been deeply damaged by this book. I have been deeply damaged by the culture that comes out of men reading this book. Okay. And so this is what I want to talk about. Um, part of the reason that I didn't do a podcast last week is because... I wasn't feeling it. I didn't feel like it. And one of the things that has happened in our culture in this in this kind of this masculine dominant mindset that we have is that men have a tendency, men tend to be taught and they have a tendency to say things like, suck it up. Um, it doesn't matter what you feel like. It doesn't matter if you feel like doing it or don't feel like doing it. Um, you have to do it. You have to push through. You have to you know, fill in the blank. This is what, this is this, this masculine dominant. And I hesitate to call that masculine dominant because it's, that's not what masculinity should be about. Uh, that's not what humanity should be about. I don't personally want to live in a world in which feelings just don't matter. Uh, we say things like, oh, feelings aren't fact. And, and that is true. There's a degree of truth to that. Um, but feelings are actually very important roadmaps to sort of what's happening internally. And what you end up with is you end up with so many men. We're like an entire nation full of men that have no idea how to identify what they're feeling. They don't, they don't know how to investigate their feelings if they if they find them they don't know what to do with them um I, i'm going to use a word that that i realize is very offensive to a lot of people and please understand i mean this in a, in a clinical sense i don't mean this in the um you know grade school uh very hurtful way but men are emotionally retarded and i mean their growth is stunted they, they are they are developmentally disabled almost in the arena of emotions and emotions are so important. And so what ends up happening is because men have been raised to 
not listen to their emotions or pay attention to their emotions or not have emotions. Uh, when women enter into any kind of masculine field or any uh, in an arena in which men are even present, we are no longer allowed to feel or have feelings or pay attention to our feelings. Um, I think this is damaging to both men and women. And so this is why I started this platform. My, my original intention was to help women learn how to lead as women, not as men. So I think really one of the only women that I know of that, that's really making huge strides in this, in this space is Brene Brown. Because Brene Brown is literally teaching a completely new kind of leadership. She's sort of one of the first people that was able to kind of bridge this gap and to start sort of bringing some feeling language into business and, and help business people understand that feelings actually do have a place in business and in work and in a work environment. And, and so that's really the direction that, that I really want to head into. And the struggle that I have is my platform is very geared towards women. And yet at the same time, I don't think it's, it's only value is just to women. And, but what happens in our culture is when something is made for women or marketed to women, um, you know, it's, it's pink, it's pastel. Uh, when something is made for men, it's, you know, darker, bold colors, right? It, they're blues and, and beige and tan. Um, but when something is made for both genders, it's always designed and colored to be sold to men. So we don't, <laughs> we don't have anything that's, that's, that's for both genders, that's for everyone, but uses what are considered to be female colors. And so that's, you know, that's part of what I want to change. So my platform is for women and for men, but I'm a woman. And so I'm not going to sort of diminish my own, and I don't even want to call it femininity. I think that word is so misused. I like colors. I like pink. Pink is one of my, but like, bright pink. If you look at my branding, you'll know the color of pink that I like. Those are my colors. That's who I am. So that's my branding. That's my marketing because I'm marketing myself. I'm branding myself. Um, but I also like, I'm not actually a big fan of aqua, but I actually added aqua into my branding specifically, you know, sort of as a nod to, um, my platform is actually for women and for men. And it's a platform that I hope that will have influence to women and men, but I'm not going to market myself in such a way as to be more palatable to men or to be more inclusive to men other than I added like a little a little uh, touch of aqua. So so my, my colors are basically pink and blue. Um, so they're, it's really, I'm, I hope to be able to speak to and reach out to women and men, but um, I'm not going to move into this space or um, attempt to tailor what I do specifically to gear it towards men. 
I have spent so much of my life using sports metaphors. I know so many sports metaphors. And what happens is when when you go into like a male arena or a male dominant arena, um, if you want to survive, you have to learn how to speak in sports metaphors. Uh, a lot of people are familiar with code switching, right? This is something that um, uh, people from other cultures talk about a lot. Uh, for instance, like Asians, when uh, Asian young people have Asian parents that are really um, kind of adamantly holding on to their Asian identity. When they're at home, they they speak whatever language their parents speak, Korean, Mandarin, um, Japanese. But then, you know, they go to school and they have to they have to code switch. They have to um, ad- adapt or adopt American mannerisms and speak English and so they're so they're they're Asian at home and American like out in public and this is this is what code switching is women have to do an enormous amount of code switching especially women that work in uh, professional or business um, arenas which are male dominated we have to learn how to speak man and even more importantly we have to learn how to speak businessman and so uh that's something i'm not going to do um i'm going to be true to who i am and so that's what this platform is all about and is for is how do we encourage and empower women to lead as women so that we can teach men how to do what we do the way we do it so I got on Twitter and I was kind of trying to figure out like where what's my my niche like who is my target audience um how do I reach them and as I was um you know Twitter has algorithms and so as Twitter is like sort of recommending is it's it's paying attention to like what am I liking on what am I commenting uh I started getting a lot of um this is how I became familiar with the deconstruction space. I personally had never heard of deconstruction before. However, it's something that I know very well that I've spent about the last probably 10 to 15 years of my life doing. Uh, I was a missionary for 10 years. That ended very badly. That was a, that was a, it, it was a really toxic environment and yet it taught me so much. It's something I would never in a million years do it again. And I would never in a million years trade one single second of that time. So I value and treasure every single solitary second that I spent there. Um, and I would never go back and do it again. Uh, but I was a missionary for 10 years. And at the end of that time was... I didn't, deconstruction wasn't a thing then. I didn't know that's what I was doing. Um, but at the end of that time, you know, that was when I really began to, to, to like question a lot of things. And, and when I, when I left there, um, I didn't go back to church. I didn't go back into, into Christian spaces again. I didn't realize how deeply damaged I was. And not even just from that one ministry or that one, um, experience, but, you know, for years. And so this is this is why deconstruction is so important. We think of deconstruction as just being about religion, but it's not really about religion. What deconstruction is, when you're little, uh, you know, we're taught 
to obey adults, right? And and we look up to adults and we think adults have all the answers. And so we listen to what they say, but here's the problem. If you if you were a kid that you you go to church and then, you know, you're at home with your parents and then you uh, go to like a public school, okay? What's happening is you're getting one message in church and then you're probably getting a very different message from your parents. And then you're getting a whole different message from your teachers and then a, an entirely different message from your peers, right? And so... What happens is in too many instances, we kind of, we just sort of absorb all of this information equally, okay? Here's an example. You go to church and they tell you, oh, don't lie. It's bad to lie. It's wrong to lie. You shouldn't lie. And then you're sitting there and you're you're listening to your parents on the phone and they're talking to somebody, you know, uh, maybe your grandmother, and they're like, oh, no, uh, we can't do that. Uh, you know, we're doing this or this or this. And you know it's a lie. So you're sitting there listening to your parents lie, okay? And then you go to school and your 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 teachers, um, you know, they, they might tell you something about white lies, right? Like, it's okay to lie sometimes, Um uh, you know, you're being nice or you're being polite. Sometimes you have to tell a white lie. But you you see, you're getting all these sort of like different mixed messages and you have to find a way to sort of string them all together. And this is where we begin to make almost like a code book for life, okay? But the problem is we keep getting more and more and more messages that we have to integrate. And our code books, our rule books, our guidebooks for life, they become more and more and more chaotic. You know, it's just, it's very confusing. And this is what deconstruction is all about. And one of the things that I've come to understand recently is that um, deconstruction is, it's really hard because it will make you feel absolutely crazy because for you know for most of our life we're on this very solid foundation like we have we have all the answers right we've asked all the right questions people have given us answers we have all the right answers and but somehow they just they're not working for us and we don't know why and we think it's a problem with us we're, we're like oh the answers must be right it, it must be a problem i must not be working hard enough something is wrong with me and we just keep working 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 and it's not working and we keep blaming ourselves and then at some point in time we just break down like nothing is working and that's when you have to start questioning everything and it's 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 just a really scary process because you kind of go is anything real like what is what is right what is wrong it's a it's a really topsy-turvy sort of upside down process and it's just it's scary and it's painful and so what I what I'm realizing now is a lot of people just don't do it a lot of what some people call deconstruction is not deconstruction. It's just rejection. They're just, they're kind of like, um, I went to church. They taught me all these things. Um, you know, they told me you have to do this. You have to do that. I, I did those things. They didn't work for me. So it's just all bunk. It's just all a bunch of bunk. Like you just, you just throw the whole thing away entirely. And you can do that. I'm not going to, you know, judge anybody for doing that, but I think that you'll find that just throwing away the whole package 
isn't going to work any better for you than trying to accept all of the packages equally from all of the different sources. So I am wanting to kind of get back to my original, I guess, mission, if that's what you want to call it, of really encouraging and empowering, really just just encouraging and empowering leaders in general, but with a very different twist. And this is where um, the fact that I didn't do a podcast last week comes in. And this also ties in with deconstruction. Okay, I'm a very strong type A personality. I um, always got good grades in school. Um, Actually, that's not quite true. I did get pretty good grades in school. I hated math. And it wasn't that I wasn't good at math. I was good at math. The, The thing I hated about math was you had to do so much work kind of for nothing. Like I'm, I'm a person that I can do math really easily in my head. And so when you, you know, and I don't, I didn't learn common core math. I actually understand common core math and I like common core math because the whole point of common core math is that not everybody uh, learns the same way or not everybody makes connections the same way. And so I understand common core math. Um, so I think in, in some ways, it's like I was doing Common Core math before Common Core math was a thing. And so I hated math classes because they would just, they would make you do all of these steps. And I didn't understand all these steps. Like I knew the answer. I could look at the, I could look at the problem and I could tell you the answer, but I didn't understand all of these steps they made you go through to get to the answer. And so I hated math classes. I don't hate math. I like math. I absolutely despised math classes. And that's, this is part of what deconstruction is. And this is why deconstruction is so important because your whole life, you're going to be told um, what is important and the things that you have to make important. And some of those things are not going to be important to you. I should have never had to take a math class ever. Um, I didn't actually end up graduating high school. I eventually got my GED. Um, I was short one math credit because the la- the only math credit I took between like, uh, I think junior high and high school was I took like a geometry class in eighth grade. I didn't take any math in high school. And so I was missing like one math credit. I just needed one math credit. And so they I, I didn't get to graduate because I was missing a math credit. And they said, you know, you can go to summer school. And this was before they had online classes. And I was like, I'm not going to go spend my entire summer in school just to get this one credit. So I was like, you know what, forget it. Um, So I never graduated from high school, but I did want to go to college. And so I went out and I got myself a, like an ACT prep, one of those prep books. And I just learned all the math in the ACT prep book. And then I went and I took the ACT and I tested into college algebra. So, and, and that probably took me maybe two weeks. So I probably learned um, an entire semester's worth of math, maybe a year or two worth of math in about two or three weeks, just from a book. That's all I needed. And so I didn't do a podcast last week because I didn't feel like doing a podcast last week. I didn't have whatever that creative energy, whatever this thing is that you need to have, the, the, the mental 
um, capacity. I think we've all kind of been in those places where we're, we're just like, I can't create right now. I can't produce right now. I can't put out right now. Um, but we live in this culture and this society that says your feelings don't matter. You just have to push through. You just have to produce. You have to create. You have to give. You have to, and then, you know, we wonder why we're so burned out and exhausted. I don't know if anybody follows me on Twitter, but you may have seen, I posted a lot of pictures this summer. Uh, I live in Colorado. I live uh, fairly close to Golden, Colorado, and there is a creek. Uh, it's called Clear Creek. If any of you uh, drink Coors, it's where all of the water that they end up making Coors beer comes from. And it it literally comes down from the mountains. So it's this creek that runs down from the mountains. It's perfectly named. It is it is beautiful. The water is like crystal clear. It is one of my favorite places on earth. And so almost every afternoon in the summer, I take off at about probably one or two o'clock in the afternoon and I drive to Golden and I go, I have a, a twin size air mattress that I blow up and I take my dog and my dog and I just lay on my air mattress. It's like a, it's like a water hammock and it's right next to a waterfall. So there's this, it's just, you know, there's the roar of the waterfall. There's, it's a really popular place for tubers. So one of the things that I love about it is everyone's just happy. Um, I've been going there for two years now, um, summer of 2021 and summer of 2022. Uh, they Everything shut down in 2020, which, you know, obviously. And, you know, that was when I went out. I found a lot of really cool little places in Colorado that I didn't know existed. Um, and they're just like these little kind of out of the way spots, which is why they weren't all shut down. So one of the kind of blessings of 2020 to me was I found a lot of really cool places in Colorado that I didn't even know existed. And one of those, even though uh, this particular creek was shut down in 2020, they had it like all roped off and everything. They weren't letting anybody in. Um, but they did open it up in uh, 2021. And there were still a lot of other things that were still shut down in 2021. So I started going to the creek every afternoon. And I realized it just, it was so good for my mental and emotional health. And so this is part of, what I want to build and part of you know, the platform that I want to build, I have to live it first. One of my big beliefs about leadership is leadership is you go first. You can't lead people where you've never been. And so there's all this, um, if you read leadership books, or you read you know, how to build a business or how to do this, if you want to build something, there's this mentality or this idea that you have to work these like really long, like grueling, 16, 18 hour days. And I'm not sure that's true. And again, this is where deconstruction comes in. This is where deconstruction is so important because there's so many of us that have these culturally held beliefs and we're like, it, it's just a rule. Like you have to do it. It's just a rule. Like everybody knows this is how, you know, you have to do this if you want to do that. And nobody ever stops to say, Number one, why? And number two, who says? Because what works for one person doesn't necessarily work for everyone. So yeah, you can put in 12, 15, 18 hour days, but there, here's another um, uh, saying that's very common, that building a business, building a platform, building anything, it's a marathon, not a sprint. We've all heard that one, right? But then you get all these people that, they're trying to build something. And so they put in these like 
14, 16, 18-hour days. And here's the question. Are you really able to build it any faster by working harder? I don't think so. So one of the things that I want to be really careful of is as I build a brand, as I build a platform, as I build sort of whatever this is going to end up being, I want to be careful to to always remember that I have a life too, and I want to take care of my mental and emotional health. And that means that, yes, sometimes you have to push through. And sometimes you have to look and go, okay, like what's going to happen if I don't if I skip a week and don't do a podcast this week, um, first of all, I'm not getting paid for this. So who's going to say anything? Who's going to complain? Now, there there is sort of this idea that, you know, once you start putting out a podcast and, and you do start um, kind of building an audience or building a following and they're kind of expecting it every week, you, you know, you want to be consistent. But being consistent doesn't mean you can never, ever, ever miss a week. And especially when you tell people and when you remind people, um, you know, I'm just an average, normal human being that, you know, has a life just like everybody else. And, you know, I have um, sort of stresses and things going on in my life. And um, I can't, I'm not a machine. I can't just like produce, 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 produce on demand. And even beyond that, you have to look at like what gives anyone else the right to demand that I produce at a certain pace. Um, so, the, you know, this is all kind of tied into why I started Robin Thinks. It's about rethinking everything. We all have like these rules that we've been taught our whole entire life that may not be true. They, they may not be true for you. They may not work for you. And this is why deconstruction is so important is because you have all of these messages that you've been given your entire life that you've been told you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this. And you know what? That might not be right for you. And so um, what I am going to be doing is kind of going back to, to my roots, to why I started Robin Thinks in the first place. Um, I'm going to be doing a leadership podcast and a leadership blog. Um, but this one is actually going to be subscription only. And so I have a Patreon page now. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash Robin Thinks. And if you want to sign up for my leadership podcast or my leadership blog, um, and, and even if you want to just like support me in doing this, uh, I would really appreciate that. This is what I really want to be doing full time. I want to be encouraging and empowering people um, to, to rethink everything, to build and create a life that works for you, to, to learn what are your rules, how, how do you... Uh, work best and how do you design a life that works best for you I have that which is why I didn't do a podcast last week um because I recognize and I understand I am a person too I have emotional and physical and psychological needs that need to be met and I have to work in sort of my working life around my personal life and a personal life is just me a per, you know when you think about it we think of a personal life we think of like a dating life 
I am a person and therefore my personal life is literally anything that affects me. Okay. So, um, I have also, so I have been busy. It's not like I haven't been doing anything. I've actually been doing a lot of things again, which is part of the reason I didn't put it out a podcast last week. Um, I have a new, um, I have Twitter and Instagram accounts now specifically for this podcast. So if you want to follow me on those, you can go to at Robin thinks pod. I have an Instagram page and it's specifically it's quotes by women. And I, um, I love doing like graphic design. So I have an Instagram page that is all quotes by women and it features women. And that's at Robin Thinks. So the Instagram and Twitter that's specifically for this podcast is Robin Thinks Pod. And um, my Instagram page, which is like inspirational quotes by women, is at Robin Thinks. And again, this is part of why I wanted to start Robin Thinks is because I decided that I wanted to feature and showcase quotes by women and you would be shocked. Well, you probably wouldn't actually, but it took me so long to really compile a, a like a long list of quotes by women. There are so many, you Google like any word and you'll come up with a list of like a hundred different quotes by men. But it is so hard to find quotes by women. And most of the quotes like from contemporary women are, you know, from like press releases and things like that. So there, there's just, there's so much in our culture and society where, you know, men take credit for so many things and men just kind of like hog the spotlight. Women have been like the backup dancers and the supporters of men, like the, the quiet supporters of men forever. Um, so we've been in leadership. We just, we don't call it leadership. And partly it's because it looks different. Okay. So I want to, I want to come back around now to love and respect. And I'm going to um, wrap up love and respect today. Um, next week, I'm going to be starting on what I, what I like to call the raw, raw books. And this is, so this podcast is also going to sort of tie into the leadership podcast that I want to start next week. I'm going to be starting a book by Mark Batterson, uh, called the circle maker. And it's a New York times bestseller. And part of the reason I'm going to be doing this book is because I was on Mark Batterson's launch team for, I believe it was chase the lion and so he, he's written several books. He's written uh, In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day, I think it's called, and The Circle Makers, which is a New York Times bestseller. And then this book, Chase the Lion, I think he's done a couple since then. And I remember, um, I think I got really excited about that. Uh, I think that was kind of at a, at a really good sort of energizing point in my life. And so I read that book and I was on the launch team and I I avidly, enthusiastically, wholeheartedly endorsed it because it was great. It was wonderful. It was, you know, kind of the where I was at in life. And then he put another book out, and I don't remember the name of that one, um, but I agreed to be on the launch team for that one as well. And I got that book, and I started reading it. And it was it's basically kind of like the same book all over again. It's all of this like, rah, rah, you can do it you can do great things. You have great things inside of you. And at that point in time, I think that was right about the time when I was either getting ready to be kicked out of a church or I had just been kicked out of a church. 
what whatever was going I just remember it came, it was just a horrible time I was grieving I was mourning I was just destroyed and I just remember thinking where's the book about grieving and mourning and you know what do you do when your whole entire world falls apart when you're just like this like pile of ash on the sidewalk when you've just been incinerated Where's the book for that? And I don't want to say that there's no place for these like rah-rah books. Um, but I think on the whole, kind of like Love and Respect, I think overall, I think they tend to be more damaging than helpful in the end. And I'm going to talk a lot about that. And so part of the reason that I want to talk about this book is I think a lot of the leadership resources that come out of Christianity are every bit as bad as the relationship resources that come out of Christianity. Like I Kiss Dating Goodbye and Love and Respect. Like these are relationship books, right? And overall, on on balance, they're very damaging. And one of the, one of the reasons I wanted to talk about love and respect, I'm not married. And love and respect is supposedly a marriage book. And yet, one of the reasons that I am deconstructing it and that I am doing this podcast is I promise you, I have been damaged by this book and I'm not even married. And here's why and here's how I have been damaged by this book. Because anytime you have these books, and almost all these relationship books are men are this, women are this. I do 100% believe that women are different from men. But what happens is when you start to actually try and quantify, this is how women are different from men, then you get into problems because women are also different from women and men are different from men. And what we need in various situations will change from situation to situation. And here's the problem. Many of the men reading these books are going to be bosses and employers. And whether they know it or not, whether they're conscious of it or not, they're going to take this thinking or they're going to take this belief out into the world with them and even more importantly, into the workplace. And a lot of the people that are going to be reading this book are going to be pastors and pastors more often than not the pastor is like the CEO of the church which means he's the boss which means he's going to be taking the concepts and the principles in his book he's not just going to be applying them to his marriage which is bad enough he's going to be applying them unilaterally across the board towards all women I can promise you that I have come smack up against this teaching or the outcome of this kind of teaching in churches that I've been in, and it has caused me a lot of problems. But it doesn't matter what a man does, a woman must respect him. And it doesn't matter, you know, what a woman does, a man must love her. Okay, and again, you always have to be aware of when we're talking about love and when we're talking about respect, what are we really talking about? I've talked a lot about Sheila Gregoire because she has uh, done a really good job herself of uh, breaking this book down and talking about all the really dangerous elements in it. And she talked about, um, she had a caller that, or uh, someone emailed her, called her, 
And it was a woman who talked about how um, she had gotten married and she is a professional, a businesswoman. She makes a good income. And she'd gotten married to a man who still lived with his mother. Not probably should have been like a really big red flag from the beginning. But he, he lived at home with his mother. Um, and then he moved in. And I, I don't know if he had a job or a part-time job. But basically, he just he, he spent his time sitting on the couch playing video games while she went to work. And she eventually got mad and she sent him home to his mother. And his mother called and his mother had read this book and his mother was very upset. You know, she's like, you have to respect your husband no matter what. He's your husband. And really, you know, she's just trying to get rid of her son that she didn't actually raise to do anything. Okay. But let's talk about this. Let's talk about the problems here and what's happening and and what's not happening if you listen to Emerson Egricks. If all you do, you say, well, no matter what he does, you just have to respect him. Okay, here's what's not happening. There is probably a very good reason that he's not getting up and going and getting a job. And And it probably doesn't have anything to do with like a lack of capacity. There are women that are raised in homes with like professional parents that like set them on like an ironclad track to a professional career. Everything is about your career, right? Some people are actually raised in environments that make it very difficult for them to really know uh, how do I succeed at work. They're, They're not equipped with these skills, okay? So in this situation, you have a wife that clearly is equipped with that because she has a professional job. She goes to work every day. You know, we're, we're raised on Disney. We're raised on this idea that, um, you know, your prince comes along, he sweeps you off his feet, and, and you live happily ever after. Well, why? Because he's a prince. He's, like, independently wealthy, okay? So you, you don't have, like, marital disputes over, um, you know, when are you going to get a job? Because he's a prince. That doesn't happen in real life. Let's talk about the purpose of relationship in the first place. It is to help you grow. We've all heard the phrase opposites attract, right? And it's absolutely true. There's all the jokes about there's two kinds of people in the world, right? There's uh, uh, night owls and early birds. There's spenders and savers. There's introverts and extroverts. There's uh, people who do math and people who hate math. There's creatives and intellectuals. There's anything that you can possibly talk about, you you're going to find people that are that are polar opposite, right? And those people marry each other. It is what happens. We are attracted to our opposite. Why? We are attracted to people who have strengths that are our weaknesses and we are and and they are attracted to us because our strengths are their weaknesses. But too often what ends up happening is We just expect the other person to be like us and they're not going to be. If we look at the purpose of relationships is we help each other grow. If we look at I have strengths that are your weaknesses and you have strengths that are my weaknesses and the purpose of this relationship is I, you help me develop in the areas that I am weak and I help you develop in the areas that you are weak, then we end up being two more fully rounded 
individuals. And the more I teach you the things that I'm good at, the, the more I help you develop in the ways that I'm strong and you're weak, um, the more kind of even we become, the more balanced we become. And then what happens is you're better able to, um, you know, manage any task. Okay. So, so maybe when you get married, um, uh, maybe traditionally like the woman knows how to cook and the man doesn't. And what ends up happening in too many couples and in too many relationships is women know how to cook. They were taught how to cook. And then they, they just expect that because their husband is a grown adult, obviously they must know how to cook, right? No, it is shockingly sad how many men literally have no idea how to like cook a basic, why? Because they've never been taught. Because we don't think that it's important to teach men domestic skills because because that's what women do. Those are, that's women's work. Those are women's jobs, okay? So then if, if you're in a time situation or a time period in which a, a woman has to actually go to work, she's, she's sort of the main income, uh, the main breadwinner, you have a man who literally doesn't know how to do the other jobs, okay? So if instead of just, expecting, oh, you're a grown adult, you must know how to do these things because I do. Imagine if we went in going, hey, um, do you, do you know how to do laundry? Uh, here, let me, let me teach you how to do, let me show you how to do laundry and, and not belittle them or demean them from not knowing. Um, if you're a woman who's marrying a man, there's a really good chance he doesn't know how to do laundry and he, he may have never mopped a floor in his entire life. We don't teach boys how to do domestic duties and they grow into men that have no idea and here's the other part right they're grown adults they know they're grown adults so then you get the ego on top of that like do you think any grown man actually wants to admit I have no idea how to do laundry I've never done laundry I this this I, I didn't never loaded a dishwasher until I got married I, I never, you know, or I never, I never loaded a dishwasher until I, you know, went away to college and I had no idea what I was doing, right? So I just sort of like figured it out on like as I was going because I mean, I, I, I guess maybe I'd seen my mom do it a couple times. We have men that are basically like domestically inept because they've never been expected to do anything as boys and then they get married and their wives just expect them to know how to do these things. Why? This is this is this is actually part of deconstruction. To this day, it's considered shameful in America for for boys to do housework. Boys don't do housework. That's what girls do. Um, but then suddenly they grow up, they get married, they're grown adults and and their wives can't figure out why do you not know how to do these things? Well, because nobody taught them. Because we don't teach boys how to do these things. So if you follow Emerson Egrick's uh, model here, which his model is no matter what he does, you just have to respect him. Okay? You're never going to actually get down to the bottom and find uh, of things and find out um, maybe he's just scared. Maybe he's never actually put together a resume. He doesn't have good interview skills. Whatever we know as adults, we just expect other people to know the same things that we do and they don't. And this happens so often in married couples is they go into marriages expecting that 
I know these things because I'm an adult and therefore if another person is an adult, they must know all these things too. And if you go on Emerson Egrick's, uh, you know, you just, you, of just how you treat each other, you don't ever actually ask the valid questions and dig down and, 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 and figure out why. Like, are you, you know, are you really just lazy or is it you just simply lack skills and you don't know how to verbalize, I don't know how to do this. This is why this book is so destructive and damaging. It teaches a really bad model. First of all, it teaches a bad model for marriages. But second of all, it just teaches a bad model that's that's going to be carried beyond marriages out into the world. And it's going to affect literally how men interact with women or the expectations that men have of women, even in the workplace. So it's not even just that, I mean, he wrote a marriage book and it's not even that it's just damaging marriages. It's damaging to everyone. It's damaging to people outside of those marriages is damaging to people that aren't even married. Um, so uh, I'm going to wrap it up there. And um, uh, once again, I started a Twitter and an Instagram. So if you want to, um, there, there's there's almost like no followers. I just barely started it. Um, but if you want to, you can go to Instagram um, at RobinThinksPod. You can go to Twitter at RobinThinksPod. Um, I do have an Instagram and a Twitter, uh, which is just at Robin thinks, um, uh, Patreon, please, if you can, um, support me on Patreon. And if you're interested in my leadership podcast and leadership blog, uh, that it may take me maybe a month or two to kind of get that up and running, but that's where I'm going. And so any support that you could give towards that would be, um, super highly appreciated. Uh, if you don't know, I also write on Substack. Um, so you can go to my Substack. My Substack is also Robin Thinks. Um, I will make my leadership podcast and um, blogs available to people that subscribe, that are already subscribers on Substack. So if you want to subscribe on Substack, you can do that, or you can go to Patreon. Um, if you want to become a patron on Patreon, then uh, you will be able to get my leadership uh, podcast and blogs. I have like a couple little short posts up there on my Patreon right now, just to kind of uh, give you a little bit of an idea of, um, you know, what, what kind of content I might be offering. I'll be offering quite a bit more than that. Those are just like little short, um, just samples, basically. Anyway, Thank you so much for listening. As always, if you can go to Apple to Apple Podcasts and give a, a star rating, all those things are so very helpful. Um, if you can share on social media, I just I have a really strong passion for helping people, and I know there's just so many wounded and damaged people out there, and I I just want to help encourage people to tailor a life that is right for them and to let go of all of the rules and the expectations that are placed on you by other people. Next week, I'll be starting with Mark Batterson's The Circle Maker. So I hope you'll tune in for that and um, I'll see you next week.